0: This is your Tuesday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Plenty to get to today. Andrew Kramer joins me here in just a little bit. Film review time for the Vikings. Not pretty. Um, They lost to the Lions on Sunday. You might know that already. The Lions did not have a win before that game. You might know that also. Pretty important game for the Vikings. You probably know that as well. We'll look at all that went wrong in that last drive. Some interesting um, numbers too, in terms of blitzing that maybe make the approach more forgivable and the execution, the, uh, the thing that we should worry about more on that last drive. Also have my least favorite team is my favorite team with Keith Rashad. Not a great, uh, not a great time talking about the Vikings at all. Um, but it's still kind of fun to, to, to hash it all out. But first, what did I miss? Well, Timberwolves lost on uh on monday night to the hawks gave up 25 three-pointers to atlanta in the in the loss at target center final score in that one was 121 to 110 you know there's gonna be nights like that where teams just shoot the lights out that said i feel like the game underscored three things that uh you know that that not necessarily troubling, but the, you gotta watch for with this year's Timberwolves team. And they, they started out three and one, then they had that big slide where they got to four and nine, then they won seven out of eight to get over five hundred at eleven and ten, and now they've lost three in a row to bit to be now at eleven and thirteen. So here's three thoughts I have about the Wolves off of that game. Number one, obviously three point shooting is going to be a big deal for them. Opponent three point shooting, they've been very good. In that area this season, 32.5% still. That's number three in the league. That's the percentage they're allowing this season. Last three games, though, games they've lost, all three of them, 39.4% for it, for opponents. That is more in line with last season when they gave up 39.2% from behind the arc, a NBA worst. So that is a fragile stat, and it's a little bit of an outlier stat, too, when you have a good three-point shooting defense, although... I think, by and large, this season they've done a good job defending the three-point line, and I think Chris Finch, you'll hear this right now, did not like the way they defended that on Monday night.
1: I mean, we just stopped short. Like our urgency to contest shots was not there. I mean, we've been really good at that all year, and I, and um, you know, first couple of possessions of the game, we did did a great job, and then as the game went on, we just kept stopping short, stopping short. So we didn't run shooters off the line.
0: Number two, as D'Angelo Russell goes this year, we've talked about that. So will the Wolves to a large degree. They are eleven and ten when he plays. Did not play last night. They are zero and three when he does not play. Now all three opponents were relatively difficult games. Two against the Clippers, one against Atlanta. But all three were at Target Center, uh, winnable games to be sure. And you know even when D'Angelo Russell is not shooting well, he's played surprisingly good defense this season and he is the quarterback of the team kind of on both ends of the floor to a certain degree and when he's not on the floor his absence is felt he makes everybody's life easier even when he's not shooting well so they need him back if if we if we don't if even if you don't love the volume of shots he takes even if you don't love everything about his game he has a certain amount of value to this team that, uh, you know, that shows through when he's there and, quite honestly, shows through when he is not on the court as well. And the final thing, this is still a fragile team. Um, wins and losses are going to be fragile this season, and they've got to figure out a way to keep this little slide of three games from turning into six, seven, eight. now that their schedule is a lot tougher. I mean, December was going to be a challenging month no matter what, and they're not really passing those tests right now, now that they're 0-3 in their last three games. Can they stop the bleeding? Can they get themselves back over 500 at some point here in the not-too-distant future? Or is this going to become another one of those seasons where there's a certain amount of promise and then it descends into something much uglier? This team feels better than teams in the past, but until they do it on the court, I can't believe 100% that it's going to be any different.
2: Take a playcation to Mystic Lake for 24-7 gaming, fun restaurants
0: and bars, and luxurious hotel rooms. And join Club M to bask in the rewards. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. It's film review time on Daily Delivery with Andrew Kramer. Does a great job covering the Vikings. Does a written film review. You can find that every Tuesday on StarTribune.com as well and in your newspaper A little bit later on. Andrew, how are you? I'm doing well, Mike. Good to be on. Good to have you back. As we like to say on this segment, the film doesn't lie. And I would like to, uh, I want to spend some time on that final Detroit drive of the game. You and I were talking about that a little bit before we started recording. Some interesting kind of context that you brought to our conversation that I want you to share regarding blitzing, but also just, you know, Detroit methodically getting the ball down the field and having just enough time as it turns out to get the go-ahead winning touchdown as time expired from from your point of view as you re-watched kind of how that drive went down kind of what do you think the thought process was going in and where where did things bog down for the vikings because they had been shutting jared goff down pretty well in that second half up to that point
2: Yeah, and I think where the conversation starts for a lot of people is just why did you not pressure him? Why did you let Goff sit back there, a guy who really hadn't been part of a prolific offense yet uh, with the Lions, had done pretty poorly in stretches of of his tenure so far, and obviously hadn't won a game yet. Why did you sit back and let him do that? And I think a big part of that was looking back through it, was sitting back was working. And it didn't, and and you got to keep in context of the first half did not go well. Jared Goff had four plays downfield for 20-plus yards, including one of those touchdowns to a wide-open tight end where Xavier Woods, who I thought had one of the worst games uh, since he signed with the Vikings, uh, was diving toward that play and looked like he was kind of caught too shallow Was a single high safety in that instance. They had been hitting plays downfield on this defense, and so Mike Zimmer adjusted halftime by backing off even farther, and it worked. Goff Goff didn't do much. I mean, I think it's easy to forget the Lions offense did nothing in that second half. Goff went against a four-man rush in the second half before the final drive. Goff went one of seven for eight yards, an interception, and a sack. And that's that's what Mike Zimmer's got in the back of his head. That's what that whole coaching staff is thinking when you're going into that final drive. You don't have a lot of guys in coverage. You don't have Patrick Peterson. You don't have Kendricks. You don't have Barr. You don't have a lot of the guys underneath you're trusting, so you're just sending everybody backward. To me the failure and what we should be criticizing Zimmer for is not adjusting. Once Goff starts marching down the field, once he reaches that point where there's a minute left and you had just given up, it was third and 10. And they had backed like seven guys, like 15 yards back. There were five yards beyond even farther than the first down marker on third and 10. And, and that was just against like three vertical routes. They leave a running back wide open underneath. He catches it. Alexander misses the tackle. Dansler misses the tackle. That allows the guy to get out of bounds, stop the clock at midfield, pick up a first down, pick up their biggest gain of that last drive of 13 yards. And Zimmer still wouldn't adjust and still kept his guys back. And then, so what happened? Nine yard throw, nine yard throw, kept marching down the field. So to me, the biggest, yeah, criticism has got to be how does Zimmer not adjust in that moment to want to apply some kind of pressure? Cause their four man rush was not getting to them. Goff had clear, decisive throws. He knew where he wanted to go because everything was just kind of out in front and easy. And that's not where Mike Zimmer's defenses have always been best. That's why I think they suffer routinely in these moments, because he generally likes to confuse quarterbacks and make things muddied for them, not give them quick reads and throws and then allow guys time to get pressure. There was no time to get pressure because that ball was coming out so quickly and there was no adjustments from that coaching staff on that last drive.
0: Well, the only adjustment was to go from a four-man
2: rush to a three-man rush, even less even less <laughs> guys to get after the quarterback. Exactly. Then that final play, yeah, they drop eight and into the line, and it looks great when you pause it, and you're just seeing, like, right before the snap, you're seeing five guys standing right in front of the goal line. You're thinking that's exactly what you want. Even if you pause it right as all the Lions players get to the goal line and start turning around to golf, it looks great because they're challenging routes right at the goal line except one guy's not. And it's Xavier Woods. Xavier Woods is too far back in that end zone. It's not Cameron Dansler's fault in my estimation. And when I asked Zimmer about this after the game, I said, was Dansler too far back? And he said, no, but I couldn't tell where his inside help was looking back at it. His inside help should have been Xavier Woods. Cause if you look at the opposite side of the field, you will see a mirrored route pattern by the lions where they run the same thing on the other outside And it's Josh Metellus who is the safety on the opposite side. He turns his body and gives that corner inside help against that route that Xavier Woods does not do for the opposite route that scored the touchdown. So that's two touchdowns on Xavier Woods and just a really bad game for him and for this secondary and the aforementioned missed tackles uh, from the corners too on that drive.
0: How much do we, I mean, chalk this up to personnel and how much do we chalk this up to strategy because i think you know i think they kind of go hand in hand and i think they're limited to a certain degree by all the players you listed that are out they don't have their their best pass rushers in right now they were missing kendrick's and Barr, who you know, like to do some good amount of blitzing from the linebacker spot don't have their full complement of corners right now so you're talking all three levels have some pieces missing so you know that said zimmer obviously can't play exactly how he wants to play probably played it pretty safe and it could have worked um so, so what I guess the, the question for you is is this more on a, a failure of kind of creativity and figuring out how to defend this in the moment or is this just they don't have enough good players right now on the field
2: yeah I think it's a, it's a certainly a catch-22 it's a spot where I can see where Zimmer and the coaching staff lose themselves a little bit and thinking we've got to kind of get really basic here make sure the Cameron dancilers the Blake Lynch's um, Detroit dies, all these guys that are playing replacement reps, making sure they all know what to do. And because the the biggest uh, sin you can make is just not being where you're supposed to be and giving up a 70 yard play or, or whatever that can happen downfield. And so I think the biggest thing is when Zimmer doesn't have those guys, you're thinking you've got to simplify things. You're thinking you've got to just play straight up and especially against the Lions offense that Let's be honest, the, the Vikings offense did enough to win that game, and you should have kept that Lions offense. If you kept them to their season averages, you would have won that game in terms of scoring. And the D- Detroit's just not good. And so you're thinking that going into it, that should be enough, just vanilla, whatever. Because you watch that game back, there was maybe one or two instances of a double-A gap look. There was one time the first blitz they called in that game didn't come until three minutes before halftime, and it was Harrison Smith off the edge, and Jared Goff beats it for a 27-yarder off-play action. So you're thinking, there, if you're Mike Zimmer, I'm not going to go back to that. And he didn't. He's, that was the only time Harrison Smith blitzed. Every other time, it was Blake Lynch. Um, I think Xavier Woods did once. But they kept their best defenders in coverage pretty much that entire game. And it came back to bite him at the very end. And, and again, not adjusting on that last drive. Um, even if you don't have the personnel, I understand that's an issue. You could still get to golf quick enough to force him to make a bad decision. We've seen that movie enough with this quarterback that I think Harrison Smith after the game he was asked directly by somebody um, are you surprised you didn't Blitz more?" and Harrison said that's not my area. <laughs> and that, that to me kind of says it all. He seemed
0: frustrated. I was going to ask you about that as maybe the final thing. I mean, Ben used quotes from Harrison Smith, I think, in both the beginning and the end of his game story, where you know it was basically lamenting some of the missed tackles that allowed, you know, allowed people to stay in bounds and, you know, kind of lamenting the fact that they were a little bit soft in coverage, maybe on that final drive. Um, you know, is this, again, is, is that a frustration of execution or do you think that's a frustration of the plan?
2: I think both. I think both. Like, Cause this is now two straight years for Harrison Smith. of something he's not used to. I mean, he's been through losing seasons up and downs before, but he hasn't been through, playing with corners that have blown this many coverages or, or it's a teammate in a safety and Xavier Woods, who's done this. I mean, think about Anthony Harris led the NFL in interceptions two years ago. I mean, that, that's kind of the standard. And then two years before that, they were the number one defense. Like this is frustrating to a guy who's trying to maximize the end of his career. And I totally get it because it's, it's not necessarily him. It's not like he's been perfect either, but he's not the one who's, they're just throwing away from him because his teammates, if it's not Bashar Breland, it's Xavier Woods. If it's not him, it's Cameron Dantzler or somebody else who's messing up. Um, I think back to last year, that game losing touchdown, uh, in Seattle where Harrison Smith tells cam to cover your bleeping guy. Like that's the vibe that Harrison was given out, um, on Sunday in Detroit.
0: Well, we'll see where they go from there. Don't have a whole lot of time to, uh, think about everything they've done they'll uh, they'll get right back on the field thursday against a, a steelers offense that's frankly not terribly dynamic as well but just come, is coming off a win over baltimore and maybe feeling a little bit better about themselves
2: yeah pittsburgh might be what the doctor ordered we'll, we'll have to see and and the fact that the vikings might get uh, they put out a, an estimated injury report today saying that Kendricks and Barr, if they would have held a practice would have participated today which is a good sign for them
0: well, we'll be back at it again. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, Mike. Good stuff as usual from Andrew Kramer breaking down the film. Even if we didn't necessarily want to uh, want to hear it, want to watch it. Interesting stuff too about how the Vikings had not had much success blitzing, and how much of their work in the the second half had come with rushing only four. And um, interesting too that uh, you know his analysis shows that Xavier Woods was the culprit on that final play and not so much Cameron Dancer. That's why we go back and look. Um, be interested to see what uh, what Mike Zimmer has to say about that as well. It is time, once again, for My Least Favorite Team is My Favorite Team. It's been, uh, of all the years to start this podcast and this particular podcast segment, I don't think we could have asked for 12 more blessed games than than this season has offered for the Vikings for a segment called My Least Favorite Team is My Favorite Team because every single game has been close. The Vikings have had a lead, I believe, in every single game this season, yet they've only won five of them, five and seven now, including a loss to the previously winless Lions on Sunday. Keith Rashad joins me as usual. I'm told he maybe has some more poetry I think he had something special cooked up in in the in the event that the Vikings might do this and lose to the Lions. Is that correct, sir?
1: Well, I, I do have some other poetry. And by the way, if you mean blessed, if you mean by blessed, you mean fundamentally stupid. Then I agree wholeheartedly. We've right? been this is...
0: we've been gifted. This segment has been <laughs> gifted with the the you know these twelve to fifteen minutes that we spend talking about the Vikings are so much easier when it's like a not a you know. If this was just routine, you know, 27 to 16 kind of games all the time where, ah, they fell a little bit short or, oh, they were pretty solid today, it would be a lot harder to talk about them. When they make every game excruciating, this segment is so much better. Well,
1: but then again, you know, I wouldn't know it uh, any other
0: way because that's all they've done this year.
1: Yeah, that's exactly all they've done. And, and plus, I, I, uh, that's a deep insult to my creativity and poetry. That well, I couldn't come you, are, you have the soul of a poet.
0: 16. I do. You have the soul of a poet, and I'm told... You've got something that I, quote, unquote, just need to trust you about. So,
1: um, yes, yes, yes. And so I have three limericks for you today. We've okay. done limericks before. We're going to do limericks again. And you're going to have to trust me. I am a little disappointed in myself. Uh, it's hard to explain why. Uh, let me just start with the with the limericks, and, and you'll see what I mean in terms of, of my got disappointment it. with myself here. Got okay. it. So, number one, <clears throat> they should have had the game under lock, but the defense can't tackle or block. And there's simply no debating. This team is consistently frustrating. So, Zimmer, can carry ears. Now, it was tough because I could not find a reasonable rhyme there. And so. Uh, okay. Yeah. I, but it, it speaks to the frustration that is this team that you were just talking about yes and how they just there's it's an unending series of utter stupidity and mistakes that would seem to be correctable particularly playing against a team that was almost as equally determined to lose the game as the vikings were they were
0: they they in the end somehow the vikings out Vikings, the Lions out. Li- I don't know what I'm saying. The the Vikings just outdid themselves. The the Lions, the, both the games against the Lions this year have been ridiculous. Come down to the final play, and in one case the the Vikings outdid themselves, and in one case the Lions outdid themselves. It was it was true poetry in motion.
1: <laughs> it's just. You know they tried. They tried. Jared Goff uh, uh, fumbled that ball on fourth down late yep. in the game. It looked like they they should have just walked away with this game, but they couldn't do it. They just were unable to do it. And, and <laughs> the utter level of frustration with this team is is as high as it's been in a very very long time, which is saying something with with this particular organization
0: yeah it, it is I mean it's every game is frustrating every game has this level of something they could have done differently and you know it's in this case I think there was a lot of coaching mistakes to be honest and Andrew Kramer and I talked about it a little bit in the film review that that two-minute drill at the end for Detroit they just they, they let him off the hook to, uh, to borrow a, a phrase from a, a former Vikings coach um, when he was in Arizona, Dennis Green. I mean, they. I think if they are a little bit more aggressive in that final sequence and just are able to put a little bit more heat on Jared Goff, make him make throws that aren't so basic, I think they have a much better chance of winning that game.
1: Well, you and I have talked about it and I am very far from a football expert. I am somebody who's just happened to watch the game his entire life. I am a a big fan uh, and nothing more than that. But as somebody who has watched plenty of football, uh, even if I can't break down the A gap and the X's and the O's and what have you, we have talked so many many times about how this defense is not just bad, but the only time that it has success is when it gets some pressure. And for them to decide that they're not going to bother trying to get any pressure during that crucial part of the game where they could have, have ended it, where Mike Zimmer's defense his pride and joy once again fails completely and totally and miserably, right? To make the choice to not do the one thing that is the single key to success, the, the bit and piece that you've been able to put, the bits and pieces you've been able to put together during the course this year, makes zero sense whatsoever.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, injuries certainly played a role, but I still think schematically that things could have been different at the end. Okay, limerick number two.
1: Well, that, that really ties into limerick number two here. So let me get this lined up. Okay. This team has had no injury luck. The roster looks like it was hit by a truck. Perhaps we should keep this in mind and learn to be a little more kind. But honestly, I just don't give a hoot. Yeah. Right? You just have to step up, right? It's all you hear every week is about how you have to step up. And they couldn't do it against the worst team in the league and they they didn't do it exactly as we just said the things that they needed to do in order to uh, have success on defense and and so it just was even with all the the injuries and what have you and and the bad position that this team was in this still was a game that they absolutely should have and could have won
0: yeah it was i mean they i mean They were chasing points all game, basically. They were, they kicked some early field goals when they couldn't get something going in the red zone. They had three failed two point conversions. They, you know, went for it. Dumb,
1: dumb two point conversions, by
0: the way. Yeah. I mean, everything except the last one, the last one where they're down by two because they've missed the first first two. Um, When you're down by two late, you got to go for two. And maybe one of the other ones was, I get it. You're trying to get it within a field goal, but you just you're just giving away, you know, fairly certain one point. And Greg Joseph's missed a couple, but that's not why they were going for it. But you're chasing those points. You gave away three points at the end of the first half by being stubborn and trying to go for it on fourth down in in your own territory and not picking it up. And Detroit gets a field goal there to go up twenty to six at halftime. So you just, despite all of the points that you kind of either left on the board or gave up in you know giveaway fashion they did get the lead back late 27 23 and they just couldn't you know for whatever reason they couldn't couldn't make it work so it's it's just i don't know it's it's it kind of is it's kind of what they are it's just it's just kind of what they are
1: yeah, and again, it points to so many of the flaws that were obvious before the season started and have been just as obvious during the course of the season. And it, I'm not as disappointed with the idea of going for two points that that in and of itself, the three different times they did, third one they had to, the other ones you, you know, are a little bit more debatable, but they're at least defensible. What is less defensible is knowing you've got a bad offensive line that has one of their better players out. And one of, at least one of your two-point conversions is just trying to slam your backup running back into the middle of the bad offensive line to pick up this yard that everybody else in the Detroit Lions are stacked into the box. Now, this offense did have success, but I saw more bootlegs, right, during the course of this game and getting Kirk Cousins away from the offensive line and moving him out of the pocket where he had a little bit of time to throw than I've seen, I think, in any other game this season. And so then when it comes down to having to get these two points, right, to decide that you're all of a sudden going to man up and play power football with your backup running back and your depleted offensive line, just speaks to how utterly uncreative and, and not very good uh, this coaching staff seems to be.
0: Yeah, and I think Zimmer didn't even like a couple of those Two point conversion calls. Imagine
1: that. Well, but then you know, okay, Mike Zimmer throwing another offensive coordinator under the bus. (laughs) That's never happened
0: before. That's That's never happened before.
1: You know, this overpaid defensive coordinator suddenly, you know, doesn't want to take responsibility for the entirety of his team. Boy, that's that's just it's unbelievable.
0: It's been a mess. All right, let's hear the third one. Well, that actually speaks to the
1: third one as well. This is great. We just it's seamless. We got this thing down. So, <clears throat> it's time to replace all the brass. This team is completely run out of gas. Instead of the playoffs, we should be talking about layoffs. Spielman and Zimmer can kiss my fat cactus. <laughs> Your fat cactus, huh? That's right. That's right. Kay. That would be unpleasant to it, kiss a cactus.
0: It would. I think it would. Um, I mean, it's it's. I mean, I wish I read the line a little
1: bit better, but whatever.
0: It's looking a little bit, uh, you know, we don't know how the rest of the year is going to go. They've got another game Thursday, which is, uh, you know, you can take that for whatever whatever it's worth. I mean, if, they, if that game goes poorly, watch out. Because Pittsburgh is not good. It's a short week. It's at home. The, hot, the crowd could get hostile if things are not good. And then all of a sudden, but then we're talking about nothing much left to play for. This season, and then you could be starting to talk about people losing their jobs. I don't know if there's if you get to this point in the year and there's gonna be an in season firing, although I mean different regime, but Dennis Green got fired with a couple games left in the year when Mike Tice took over. After
1: no. after losing to the Lions. The winless lions, by the way. Yes, yes.
0: And Childress was ten games into the season, I think, when he got fired and replaced by Frazier in the 2010 season. So it's not that the wolves, not that the wolves, wouldn't do it. Um, just kind of coach out the year with an interim. I just, I don't imagine that's going to happen this year, but y- you never know. But it, let's let's just say Thursday is a uh, important game for immediate job security for for everybody involved.
1: Well, in, I mean, to what extent is there any job security left, though? Right? Uh, even if they do win, yes. even if they somehow squeak into the playoffs as a seven seed. There's no way they're going anywhere in the playoffs. And the problems that this team has were obvious, again, to someone like me who is just a lifelong football fan, not an insider, not an X's and O's guy, not a former coach, not a former player, right? Right. They were obvious to me, which means that they had to have been obvious to many other people as well, too. And they've done nothing to correct those things. And Zimmer has (sighs) barely budged during the course of this year. Uh, And then when we get into trouble again, as we just talked about, throws his offensive coordinator under the bus. There is no depth, despite the fact that Trader Rick gets 57 seventh round picks each and every year. Uh, So... What is going to get better? What is what is going to what change could there possibly be? And, you know, to some extent, you have to concede the injuries are a part of what's making things rough on the team this year. But they just lost to a winless team this late in the year with all of their issues still very much on display. And so it's not getting any better. It is time to move in a different direction. And if they lose to the Steelers, yeah, I think you may as well just make the change because if it's going to happen anyway, there's no point in stringing it out for anybody. And if we want to play this little game where they keep flirting with the playoffs, where they're in your in the hunt, grass in the hunt, like we still- talked about. They, they got to play better just to be in that
0: graphic still, by the way. Now I'm a little worried now that they're not even going to be good enough to be in the, in the hunt graphic.
1: And so they, they have to, they, you know, they have to, to overachieve to just get into the, in the hunt graphic at this point, it just, it it's, it's over. It's over.
0: Every time we say that though, they come crawling back, but I think you are right. Thursday is going to be interesting to, uh, to say the least um enjoyed this conversation as i always do i trusted you on the limericks i'm i'm gonna see i'm thinking about it thinking about how uh, how i feel about all of them but i think i feel pretty good about them a strange week this week obviously vikings play thursday night we probably won't do these segments again until tuesday next week give us plenty of time to think about all that has happened let's finish with the cooler kirk shiraka Officially rehired as Gophers offensive coordinator, had a lot of success here, particularly in 2019. The move was reported, rumbled about a few days ago, and now it is official. We will see if they can get back to the level of offense they had two years ago when they had that dominant 11-2 and season. By the way, the Patriots only ran the ball, I uh, said so they only passed the ball three times on Monday Night Football and won a game plan Mike Sanford Jr. would have loved and the 2021 Gophers would have loved. That will do it for today. Good stuff coming up the rest of the week. Hope you'll join me on Wednesday. I'm Michael Rand. We will see you then.